Well, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Living Hope. Glad that you're here, all of us here in the room, and those of you joining us online, we're glad you're with us too. We like to begin our services with this greeting Christians have been using for pretty much as long as there have been Christians. The Lord be with you. I like that we start our service with that because it just reminds us that the reason we come to church on a Sunday uh, isn't just to like see our friends or to get out of the cold or check something off a list. It's, it's because we believe that the Lord wants to meet with us, uh, that, that God, the God who made us, the God who loves us, who gave his son Jesus for us, like actually meets us where we live, uh, right in the midst of all the chaos, all the mess, all of whatever's going on. So let's bow our heads and pray to him as we begin. God, we are so grateful that you do meet us here. I pray that you would just help us to be open to your presence, that we would be aware of, of you speaking, of you uh, giving us your grace, of you uh, hearing our prayers. God, you know sometimes we can, we can feel pretty distant, pretty disconnected, and uh, God, we don't want that. Uh, today, we are here because we want to connect with you. We want to be able to, to share with you those things that we need and, uh, and know that you hear us and know that you care and that you might meet those needs. We want to be able to, uh, to share with you our thanks and our praise for all of your blessings, all of your gifts, and know that you hear and receive our thanks and praise. Uh, we want to be able to sing some of the old songs that Christians have been singing forever. We want to be able to pray together. We want to be able to listen for your spirit speaking to us afresh through the scriptures. We want to meet you in the tangible, touchable way that we do in the sacrament of Holy Communion. Thank you, God. Thank you that we have this time and this place uh, to connect with you and, and with each other so that we can be uh, filled with your spirit and ready to be sent out uh, to connect with the world that you love so deeply. Thank you, God. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, well, if you're, uh, if you're able, if you're interested, let's stand and let's sing as we begin. Maker of heaven and earth. 
like to read from uh, Psalm 86, Prayer of David. Hear me, Lord, and answer me, for I am poor and needy. Guard my life, for I am faithful to you. Save your servant who trusts in you. You are my God. Have mercy on me, Lord, for I call to you all day long. Bring joy to your servant, Lord, for I put my trust in you. You, Lord, are forgiving and good, abounding in love to all who call to you. Hear my prayer, Lord. Listen to my cry for mercy. When I am in distress, I call to you because you answer me. Amen. I need thee every hour, most gracious Lord. No tender voice like thine can peace afford. us to continue the prayer that we started with these songs. God, this is our, uh, our confession today that we do need you every hour. We depend on you, God. Uh, you, you know, God, how many of us could testify that we have tried doing this thing on our own. We've tried setting our own course. We've tried operating under our own strength. And uh, man, it just does not get us where we think we want to go. Uh, Thank you, God. 
thank you for being the the faithful God who is here. The God we read about in Scripture who is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. The God who is at work in all circumstances for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purpose. God, we are so grateful that when life seems like it just is, well, doing what life does, when it, when it gets hard, when it gets ugly, when it feels, God, like maybe you're not there, I pray that in the midst of those circumstances, like you know, some of us are going through right now, God, I pray that you would make your presence known to us there, that we would see the ways that you are at work, that we would see the ways that you are present, that we would experience your grace and receive your strength. God, we need you every hour. God, there are things going on right here at home and there are things going on all over the world that, that concern us, that, uh, that sometimes worry us. God, we see stuff going on over in the Middle East and we, around Israel and Gaza and, and the West Bank and we see things going on can, still in Ukraine and Russia and, and in so many other places, God. We see these things happening and we, we pray for peace. We pray for your, for your presence to be felt there. We, we pray especially for innocents who get caught in the crossfire every time that violence breaks out. Please, God, please would you guide those who make decisions about uh, military actions and, and would you guide those who are seeking peace? Would you, would you strengthen those who are uh, rushing to, to help, to aid those who are suffering. God, we, we know that one day you will bring peace in a lasting way. More than just the, the putting, laying down of arms, but God, you will bring a peace that, that means wholeness, uh, this shalom, this, this, uh, <clears throat> this life together that is beautiful and good. So many different images in scripture for what that looks like. God, we want to see it here. Help us, help us to live that kind of life, to live lives of peace, to be peacemakers, to be people who walk into uh, really bad circumstances, God, and, and we don't ratchet up the, the anger or the, the rancor, the, the, the violence, God. Instead, we, we walk in and we bring peace. We care for those who are hurting. We, we come in and we... We are gracious to those who have wronged us. Following in the, in the footsteps of Jesus, who in our sin nailed you to that cross, Lord Jesus, you didn't retaliate. You prayed for us. And Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Thank you, God for the forgiveness that you offer to us when we stumble through this life, when we, when we make such a mess of the world that you've entrusted to us and the people that you've placed around us, the lives that you've given us. God, thank you for being gracious today. We need you every hour. We need your grace today so that we can be a people of grace, a people of love. Thank you, God. Meet us here by your Holy Spirit. Meet the needs that we bring to you today. Heal what is broken in our hearts. 
renew our minds and our imagination so that we truly can imagine a life that is beautiful and good, a life that looks like your kingdom coming here on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you, God. Continue to speak. Continue to work, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the peace of the Lord be with you. Thank you. Let's take a couple minutes to extend that peace to each other. Uh, shake some hands. Wish someone a happy Sunday or just peace of Christ. Okay, man. Ran out of time. Couldn't, couldn't, get, couldn't get to everybody this morning. Uh, hopefully you got one of these little uh, bulletin handout things when you came in. If not, I think there's some more back there somewhere. Just got some announcements for this morning. And, and uh, for all of you joining us online who you didn't just get a chance to shake our hands, I'd love for you to go uh, either leave us a note in the comments or go to livinghope.info slash connect and let us know how we could connect with you and maybe be praying for you or, or answering a question for you or something like that. And uh, you could all do that same thing if you'd like, of course. If I see you on your phone, I'm just going to assume you're either uh, reading the Bible or you're filling out one of those little connect cards. Or, or maybe uh, giving. You can give online too, but who knows? Uh, I'll assume you're not playing Candy Crush or whatever the game is these days. I, I don't know. Um, uh, oh, but all of us in the room, if you have some way we can be praying for you or if you have a question uh, or something that you want to make sure that you hear back about, uh, then in the back there is a little table with little green cards. You can fill one of those out and uh, just drop it in the offering box back there, and I can follow up with you tomorrow, this week. And, uh, and if you want to give today, you can uh, drop that in there as well. That would be a beautiful thing. Um, oh, so by way of announcements, there are three things on the back I'm just going to mention real quick. One is the cold weather clothing exchange out in the lobby. If you have a coat or a scarf or a hat or something like that to share, we have people that come through here uh, every week that uh, need that stuff and can't afford to go buy that stuff. And uh, quite a bit of, there was a lot of it there uh, <clears throat> right after last Sunday, and it's almost all gone already by today. Uh, so if you have stuff that you want to share as the temperatures are changing, just bring it by, drop it in the, in the lobby there on the coat rack or on the table, and uh, people will get it. Uh, the second thing is that uh, we are partnering with Habitat for Humanity again this year. We're going to be building a house on, uh, on Heritage Road. I think, is that in South Haven, I think? Yeah. And uh, so if you would like to be a part of that, there's a build day on November 18th you can sign up for uh, to get on that day to help actually put your own blood, sweat, and tears into it. Hopefully not too much blood. Um, but, you know, help put up the house. Or you can donate to the Habitat Fund. Uh, there are... Uh, matching things that will happen to those dollars that will turn them into more dollars, and it's a beautiful thing. And We'll talk about that more in the future. And then the third thing is, uh, is not on the screen, but you see there uh, that uh, it's one of the things... I guess uh, <clears throat> a lot of the stuff that we do, we end up partnering with other groups. You know, these last couple of weeks, we've had, uh, last week we had Morgan Folgers here from uh, InterVarsity talking about uh, work that's going on on VU's campus and Purdue Northwest, and, and I don't know if any of you guys signed up to get her newsletter or anything like that, but if you want more information about that, you're, you missed last Sunday and you'd like to know what's going on with InterVarsity, let us know. Put that on one of those cards or something, and we'll connect you with Morgan. And uh, a week before that, we had somebody from Lantern Rescue talking about, uh, you know, rescuing people who have been trafficked for labor or for sex or for different things around the world. And there's still some flyers for that out on the table I saw this morning. Um, and, you know, partnering with Habitat. There are lots of ways that we partner with other groups. Uh, but then sometimes there are things that are just happening right here in our own church building, uh, ways that we're serving our neighbors. And uh, one of those over the last several years has been caring for our homeless neighbors. And some of you guys know at different times we've had people sleeping in our entryway or sleeping on the benches out front, and we had to put a stop to that. But we've continued to partner with um, shelter ministries through New Creation Men's Center. Um, all summer long, uh, we've had guys sleeping on our floor, uh, six to eight guys sleeping. Uh, it's all supervised. It's not just letting them in and, you know, run around. Uh, it's a supervised thing. And, um, and that actually is continuing on Thursday nights because they're short on churches. And our church has just said, sure, you know, let's go. And we've got a handful of volunteers, uh, like 
Mr. Scott right there. I'm going to wave, say hi. And, uh, and Paul McKenzie right there, Paul, uh, who they come and they stay up all night so that uh, guys can sleep and have a safe place to sleep. Uh, well, one thing we did last year for the first time, because we realized at the time we were letting people sleep in our entryway just to get out of the cold and intending it to be like for a day or two, and that place was filling up. And we were talking to other people and realizing that, you know what, there are warming centers during the day, but there are no warming centers at night. Uh, when people, when it gets really cold and people are homeless and have no place to go, just we're stuck. And so we opened our church doors and, uh, and again, with volunteers from all over the community. And we ended up with over 70 people that came through. Uh, we started just before, just right around Christmas because there was that polar vortex thing coming through. And we, we went till mid-March and uh, had just over 70 individuals, usually a dozen or so. I think we got up to 18 a couple of nights. People stay in here, men, women. Um, and we had hoped that there's a, there's a shelter in the works that's being built that is not ready yet for this winter. Um, many of you guys know Mitch Peters, who's a part of our church. Usually he's on that table right there. I see you guys left the table open for him should he show up. But he's, he's, not, he's watching from home today. Um, but uh, you know, he's, he and Respite House are working on building a shelter which will have a warming center attached. But that won't be ready until next winter. And so this winter, the church board's been talking about it for months now, and we said, you know what, let's do it again. We're going to open the church up um, January 1st to February 29th. And on your tables, you've got a little, little handout. Uh, this is a little fancier than what I normally do. I had somebody, somebody helped. I had a little simple thing, and somebody made it look a little prettier. That um, <clears throat> just gives, like, these are, the, these are the rules that people will have to follow when they're here. You know, it gives the times and how the evening will kind of run and that sort of thing. But basically, it's just a safe place for people to escape the cold at night. And uh, if you would like to help with that, uh, we would love your help because we'll need two volunteers present all night long. Uh, we don't know how many folks we're going to have. Um, we're tightening the ship a little bit uh, now. We learned some things from this past winter, and uh, so we're doing things a little bit differently. Um, like I know one of the things that, that happened this last winter, uh, and we've talked about this before, is that you know we had people stay the night here on Saturday night, and then Sunday morning you'd walk in and there'd just be like a dozen people out in the lobby just like, hanging out and snoozing and whatever, and you're like, what's going on? We don't, we don't, what's happening? And uh, we realized, like, hey, we need to keep the lobby clear during services. we got kids' ministries going on right off the lobby. And, and so for the last several months, we've, you know, we've got people out there that, like, uh, make sure that the lobby stays clear, make sure that, uh, uh, that people aren't just out there lounging and stuff like that. And uh, so obviously everyone is welcome to come and worship with us, and we've got several folks in our congregation, several of you, uh, who are homeless and don't have a place to sleep at night other than a tent or a car. Um, and uh, so that's one thing that we've already changed that will be a little bit different uh, but I know that uh, had a little bit of stress for those of you walking in on Sunday saying what's going on around here these days um, but we have neighbors who if somebody doesn't open their doors this winter might just freeze to death I mean frankly and so we don't want to see that happen and so if you have questions about it I would love to sit down and talk with you and answer those questions. If you are interested in helping, let us know. Um, I think there's a link on our website. If you go to livinghope.info, right down at the bottom in the middle, there's a link. If you're interested, you can click on that link and, uh, and say, yeah, I'm interested in helping to staff a shift or to maybe bring some snacks or uh, we've got beds and bedding and things like that uh, on the floor for them that if you want to help with uh, doing laundry or those kinds of things. But... Um, Anyway, I wanted to make sure and, and get this in your hands so that this will answer some of your questions about what our expectations are for those who stay here. And uh, who knows? We don't know. It could be a half dozen people or could be quite a few more. I mean, the numbers are not exactly down for the number of neighbors that are living unsheltered, unhoused in our community. I know we don't often see it um, unless you're looking for it. 
um, because they're not typically out on the sidewalk panhandling. That's not allowed in Valparaiso. Uh, I remember one time driving down Lincoln Way, and I saw somebody that I knew, a homeless couple, um, and she's pregnant, and a young couple, and he had a little sign out uh, asking for help. And they only, I think, did that for a few hours before they were told, hey, you can't do that. That's not allowed. Um, and so we don't see it very much in our community. Uh, but it's here. It's present. People who are sleeping in vehicles, sleeping in tents, um, trying to find a way to stay warm. So just want to let you know that you are a church that does a good job of caring for your homeless neighbors. And I'm proud to be your pastor, proud to be uh, part of a church uh, that, that cares about its neighbors in that way. So if you have questions, again, I'd love to answer them. And uh, that'll start January 1st. And, uh, yeah, between now and then, we'll be lining up volunteers, getting schedules worked out, all the rest. So um, I think that's all I needed to say about that. Unless there's anybody that's just got a question or wants to say something. or I, don't, I think that's it for announcements. Yeah? Didn't, didn't forget anything? What's that? Yeah, yeah, of course. It's, yeah, if you didn't, you just said thank you. So, yeah, um, <clears throat> I am grateful that you're a church that says this is something that we want to do. You know, that we, that we want to care for our neighbors in this way. Um, all right. Um, <clears throat> ha, which maybe is an appropriate uh, title for this morning's message, When Family Disagree. Uh, because I know that's, uh, you know, there is some tension, you know, in our congregation about this. But, um, but for the most part, you guys have all been uh, very encouraging and supportive and participate in this. Um, so anyway, uh, this, uh, at one time I thought this might be my last message uh, from Romans because... Uh, I was supposed to be out of town next week, but now it looks like I might be coming back next Sunday because my aunt might be passing away and uh, my dad's sister. So he might be driving out to Kansas uh, to leave. Oops, we had a little technical difficulty here and lost a few minutes of the service. Sorry. God has made it all clear in his word. And if we would all just read the Bible, then we would all know exactly what God thinks about every issue under the sun, Right. Because wouldn't God guide everyone to the same conclusions about everything? And I thought, if, if Christians disagree, well, then that means that some of the Christians, meaning me, that we're paying attention and that we're thinking, you know, this thing through and we're, we're being faithful. And those other Christians who disagree uh, with me, because I'm right, uh, those other Christians who disagree, they're just not reading their Bibles carefully or they're not thinking clearly or, you know, maybe they've been deceived or they're just giving into the whims of culture or something because... All Christians should, disagree, should agree about everything. There should not be any disputable matters. But Paul says in Romans 14, no, there are some things where Christians will and do and will continue to disagree. So here's where he goes. He says, one person's faith allows them to eat anything. But another, whose faith is weak, eats only vegetables. That's a weird kind of a scenario, I suppose, isn't it? He says, he says some people who have... Uh, their faith only will let them eat anything. They kind of got strong faith, I guess, you know. They can eat the, the hottest wings uh, from Buffalo Wild Wings. They've they got strong faith. They're going to live through it. They're going to be okay. Uh, <clears throat> other people said their faith is weak. They eat only vegetables, just the celery in the ranch, please. You know, that's, that's all they're good for. Now, um, we think there's, there's a whole scenario going on. Uh, maybe this is a reference to, like, kosher laws, Jews and Gentiles and the different, you know, eating thing. Um, if you look at 1 Corinthians, his letter to the 1 Corinthians, uh, chapters 8 and 10, which we'll look at a little bit later, uh, there's a scenario there where, uh, like, all the meat in town has been sacrificed to idols. Uh, like, that's just how the meat industry worked in their town, that when meat was uh, butchered, it was done so at an idol's temple, 
and some of it offered to whatever God, and then the rest kind of sold uh, off the side in the, in the market. And so there were some people who thought, oh, I can't eat that meat. If I eat that meat, I'm supporting like the worship of this false God. Or, or maybe this meat is like tainted in some way, uh, cursed in some way by some dark spiritual, you know, something. And so their faith would only let them eat vegetables while others were like, oh, it's just meat. Just eat it, you know, give thanks to God and eat it. He's saying some people can do that. Some people can't. He says the one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. He's saying you might disagree with another believer on this, and you know what? They answer to God, and you answer to God. And your master, and the person you're standing, God is able to help us to make it through this and to, and to stand firmly. So don't treat someone with contempt because they disagree. Don't judge them because they disagree. Now, that doesn't mean that the Christian faith is all just me and Jesus, right? None of us are just isolated Christians, and we're going to get to that in just a second. Uh, it's not like, nope, I just got this agreement, and God knows. God understands. And every Christian around you is saying, no, dude, that's sin. You can't do that. You know, this is destructive of you and everybody around you. You can't, can't be doing that. And you're like, no, no, God and I have an understanding. Uh, that's not what this is saying, right? But this is saying, man, when Christians disagree, you can't be looking at each other with contempt, can't be judging each other. You can have conversations but those conversations can't end in judgment. Those conversations can't end in contempt. It says one person considers one day more sacred than another. Might be a reference to the Sabbath, which is like hugely important to the Jewish people, right? Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. Is none of us live just like for what I want and what I want is most important. No, none of us live for ourselves alone. None of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. This is challenging for us, all right? Because the way we grow up normally, we think that we are the center of the universe, from the time that we're infants and we cry and food is brought to us and we cry and someone changes our nappy. From the time that we're, you know, we are the center of our universe and we control uh, where our destiny and whatever, right? Say, no, no, we, we belong to the Lord. Like we sang earlier, we, we depend on God. We need him every hour. It's a different mindset than what we perhaps grow up with. Saying whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, he says, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. It's like, it doesn't matter. Death isn't going to separate you from God because God's been there in Christ. He's been to death. He's the Lord of the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, and he quotes Isaiah, As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before Richard Schmidt. It's not what it says, right? I am not going to be your judge someday. As surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, because this is true, 
let us stop passing judgment on one another. And he has to say, stop, because it's happening, right? He says, so let's not start this. No, no, it's already started. There's plenty of judgment being tossed and lobbed back and forth. And uh, how could you be a Christian and vote for that person? How could you be a Christian and dress that way or get that tattoo? How could you be a Christian and this or that? Do any of you know who um, Kat Von D is? I wasn't real familiar with her. I'd heard of her at some point, I think, tattoo artist, and is apparently pretty well known, and, and actually lives in Indiana, and not too long ago shared a video on her Instagram of herself getting baptized, and, uh, which was a big surprise to a lot of people, because that really wasn't her scene, you know? And there she was with the, you know, ink black hair and, you know, covered in tattoos, getting dunked under the water, confessing her faith in Christ, and uh, she, since then, uh, shared a video on Instagram of uh, just kind of responding to some of the reactions that she'd gotten. She expected she'd get a lot of pushback from some of her fans and followers because a lot of them aren't Christians. And, uh, you know, she figured I'm going to turn off a lot of people by being public about my new faith in Christ. And, uh, <clears throat> you know, she got a lot of atheists and people been hurt by Christians and church. And, and she said, for the most part, they were, you know, sure, there were some goofy reactions and stuff. But for the most part, people were like, happy for me and this is my journey and okay. And she said, I was surprised by the amount of pushback I got from Christians. over silly stuff, like the way she dressed or her tattoos or even the way she was baptized. People were like complaining about the way they did it. Here was a, a new sister in Christ and she was getting judged already by her new brothers and sisters. So Paul says, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, he's just saying for himself, he's like, I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus that nothing is unclean in itself, which is a big deal, right? That was why Jews didn't eat certain foods. Jews like Paul, like, don't eat those foods because they are unclean. And he's saying, I'm convinced, fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, nothing is unclean in itself. And Jesus said some things that led to those conclusions. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. That's a, that's a shift, too, for a lot of his hearers and maybe for some of us. There are some things that's like, well, it would be fine, except if it bothers your conscience, you shouldn't do it. Maybe some other Christian, is, is, it's not a big deal, you know, for them to listen to that music or them to watch that movie or whatever. Yeah, maybe there's, I don't know what thing it is that, you know, maybe for them, that's okay, but for you, it's not. If anyone regards something as unclean, then for them it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. So he's talking to those people who have that strong faith. They're like, I can eat anything. I can eat the meat. I can eat the whatever. You know, it's not a big deal to me. He says, oh, but if you distress your brother or sister by doing that, you're not acting in love. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. It's like Jesus cared enough for them to give up his life. You can't give up your steak when you're having dinner with them? Come on now. You know. what, did we, what did we just hear the last couple of weeks? I think it was last Sunday that we heard this again, that, that uh, love is the fulfillment of the law, right? Love does no harm to a neighbor, so love your neighbor as yourself kind of sums up all these laws for how we're supposed to live together. I think it was right there in Romans 12 and 13. He said, if we're distressing our fellow believers, our brothers and sisters, because of what we eat or drink, or whatever, then we're not acting in love. Now, um, let, me, let me skip ahead a little bit. Uh, 
on the, on the far right side in 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Um, this is where Paul is talking to some people with that whole idol thing and the meat factories and that kind of deal. He says, be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, like, oh, apparently there were like restaurants on the side too. Okay. So eating at, you know, Diana's Diner or whatever, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister for whom Christ died is destroyed by your knowledge. When you sin against them in this way and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, if what I eat causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I'll never eat meat again so that I'll not cause them to fall. Paul says, I, it's not about what I want. I'm seeking their good. In fact, that's what he says in 1 Corinthians 10. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, not for yourself, or not because it's your right to or whatever. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way. For I am not seeking my own good, but the good of many, so that they may be saved. He's saying this loving your neighbor as yourself thing, or as Jesus put it in one time with his disciples, you need to love each other as I have loved you in this self-sacrificial way. Sometimes it's going to mean sacrifice. Sometimes it's going to mean, well, I have the right to do this, but I won't for the sake of my brother or sister who's struggling in this way. And we understand that, right, with like church stuff, that like that's one reason we don't have like a beer tent at the church picnic, you know, right? Because we got plenty of folks here in the church who struggle with alcohol or addiction. And, and so that's why we have regular old grape juice instead of wine at communion even. Uh, because for some folks, that's a problem. And our church, the Church of the Nazarene, sorry, the denomination of which we're a part, uh, was started associating with folks who were struggling. That's why it's called the Church of the Nazarene. That's the way we're referring to Jesus, because Jesus was from Nazareth. And can anything good come from Nazareth? That's what the saying was in Jesus' day. And so we're a church for the homeless, the addicted, the poor, the needy, the people who might be struggling with some things that maybe you don't struggle with. And so for you, it's not a big deal to you know, have a glass of wine with dinner or to, to have that beer because you know you stop at one. But we're a church for all folks, including folks who struggle with that sort of thing. And so we, we give up that right, whether it's a church event or whether it's just you, perhaps maybe you give up that right. Maybe you're like Paul and say, look, I don't even I won't eat or drink that again if it's going to cause someone to stumble. I don't want them to catch me in a restaurant drinking it and think, oh, I guess that's okay. And maybe I should join them. And it's one of the reasons that the Church of the Nazarene is, uh, as a denomination, uh, what's the word for it? Teetotaler? Dry? I don't know. I don't know what the word is. We don't, we don't drink alcohol uh, in the Church of the Nazarene. We don't make a big deal of that here. Uh, I don't come checking your cupboards or, you know, investigating when you're out to eat what you've got in your, you know, glass or anything like that. Um, <clears throat> but the Church of the Nazarene has said, yeah, we're going to go ahead and give up that right because we're, we're a church for people who struggle, and so we don't want to be putting stumbling blocks in front of anyone. We don't, by our knowledge, that this is just fine. That's not a sin to drink this alcohol. We don't want to harm someone else. Because we don't want to sin against Christ. We don't want to just seek our own good, but the good of many. Where do we stop back there in, uh, in Romans 14? Let's see. Uh, don't destroy someone. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. Don't by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. Uh, a little later, he says, keep these things between you and God. He says, you don't need to go broadcasting this and, and causing you know, more quarreling and strife. You know it's good? Okay, that's fine. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Like you're putting others first. You're loving your neighbor as yourself. Let us therefore make every effort. 
every effort. This doesn't, doesn't always come easily. To do what leads to peace and a mutual edification. That's a funny word, isn't it? Mutual edification means building others up. Right? It's edifying. It's good for them. We're not going to be destroying or tearing down. We're going to do what's good for building others up. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it's wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It's better not to eat meat or drink wine or do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. <laughs> like they don't feel like you've got to go on a crusade and persuade everyone that you're right. You know, if you have a conversation about it, great, have a conversation about it. It's not like, I don't think he's saying you can't let anyone know. He's just saying don't push these things. You know there's disagreements, so don't like, you know, every time you walk into church, you know, uh, bringing up that thing you know everybody disagrees about every single time. Just keep it between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who doesn't condemn himself by what he approves. Because, be, again, you're going to condemn yourself if you cause someone to fall, or you cause someone to stumble. Or you, you know. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith, and everything that does not come from faith is sin. That's a shift for us, too. We've had several of these little shifts in these passages today. I mean, we're used to thinking of sin as like, well, there's a list of rules, right? You, you don't do these things. If you do, it's sin. You got to do these things. If you don't, oh, that's sin. You know, got to show up at church. If you don't, oh, you sinned. Uh, you can't go, I don't know, name your sin, you know, whatever it is, steal that, lie about that, whatever. If you do, oh, you sinned. You know, we're kind of used to like it's a list of do's and don'ts, and if you violate those, then you sinned. And he's saying, well, sure, there are definite things that are like, hey, these are off limits. That's always destructive. And these are always good, and it's always good to do these. But then there are these disputable matters somewhere in the middle that he says, look, if, if it's not coming from faith, if you're not able to do this confidently knowing, Jesus, I'm doing this for you. I'm not just living for myself, right? If I live, I live for the Lord. If I die, I die for the Lord. I belong to you, Lord. And so I'm doing this because I'm confident this is what you'd have me to do. He says, if you can't say that, he says, maybe just don't do that. If it's a disputable thing and you're like, eh, I don't know if God would want me to do this or not. Well, if you're not sure, then he says, don't, don't talk to God and get some clarity on that. Talk to some Christian brothers and sisters, help, let them help. But until you've got clarity on that, like don't do things you think God might be, you know, that might be breaking God's heart or harming a brother or sister. Does that make sense? I think that's, I think that makes sense. It's a little tougher. It's a little more nuanced than just a list of do's and don'ts. That's a little tougher than thinking like, well, God's going to make everything clear. I, Man, I used to think that, boy, we would all, every Christian should vote the same way because, you know, if you ask God who's the right person to have next leading the country or whatever, then, or leading the city, so we've got city elections coming up next, uh, well, wouldn't God tell us all the same thing? Well, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe he leaves room for Christians to disagree about the, the best way forward. I've got I've to include this from the, from the heart of Romans, uh, and maybe I'll get more time to talk about this next week uh, if I get to come back. <clears throat> Romans chapter 8, right in the heart of the book, says, so now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. This is not a matter of being condemned, right? There's no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. This is the beauty of what God has done for us. We, we could not make it happen. We were trapped <laughs> until God came 
sent his son in a body in a, in, as a human being and in that body declared an end to sin's control over us. He died to sin, rose again victorious. Sin is no longer our master. And so we as Christians don't live dominated by sin anymore. And that's where he goes next. He says, those who are dominated by the sinful nature, think about sinful things. Those who are controlled by the Holy Spirit, think about things that please the Spirit. So letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. Letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. Again, he's talking about a way of life where you're following the Spirit. You're not like just trying to check things off a list and, oh, I avoided those bad things. I did these good things. Follow the Holy Spirit. That leads to life and peace. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same Spirit living within you. So you've not received a Spirit that makes you fearful slaves. <clears throat> There's no room for fear in this stuff. We're not fearful slaves, wondering if God's going to condemn us or God's going to blast us. Instead, you've received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. Abba is, is an Aramaic term for like dad, daddy. It's what my boys call me, right? We, we, we call God father, dad. It's that intimate relationship, knowing he loves us, knowing he cares for us. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. If you have been made to feel for some reason like you don't fit in a church or something like that, like I don't know if you belong in this you know, church family, in, this, in, this, in God's family because of some disputable matter, He's saying, no, you, we are God's children. If you're trusting in Christ, if he's given you his spirit, if you're following his spirit day in, day out, you belong. You are his child. And we all just got to, like, learn to love each other. <laughs> learn to welcome each other. Like, truly welcome, embrace, care about each other. This is the, this is the thing that will change the world's perception of us. If we can show that, yeah, we really do accept, folks. We really do love, folks. We love like Christ has loved us, who didn't wait for us to get everything straightened out. It's right back there in Romans chapter 5, right? While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So what we're going to celebrate in just a moment in the sacrament of Holy Communion. We're going to remember in the bread and in the juice that Jesus came and died for us while we were dirty, rotten sinners, while we were shaking our fist at God, while we were, you know, ignoring him entirely. He came to us right at the time of our need and loved us so that we could be embraced and brought in to his family. Let's bow our heads and let's, let's pray. Let's thank him as we prepare to move toward the table today. God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your grace that you have shown to each and every one of us. Please, God, do guide us by your Holy Spirit. We don't want to get off track. I mean, we don't want to just be doing what we want to do. We don't want to deceive ourselves into thinking, oh, I'm just fine. This is just one of those disputable matters and, you know. God, we want to be led by your Holy Spirit. And we know that we need the, the support and the encouragement and the help of our Christian brothers and sisters to sometimes discern your guidance and discern your will. But God, when we, when we truly do come down on different sides of things, would you help us not to treat each other with contempt or to judge each other? But would you help us instead to do things that lead to peace and building each other up, encouraging each other to follow you more closely each and every day, to love you with more of who we are, to love our neighbors as ourselves. Oh, thank you, God. Thank you 
that you didn't wait for us to get our act together before coming to us in your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for coming to us in our time of need, showing us your grace. We celebrate this in the sacrament of Holy Communion as we offer to you these gifts of bread and juice. We pray that by your Spirit's presence here, we might meet our crucified and risen Savior in his body and in his blood, remembering that you have put an end to sin's control over us by your death and resurrection, Lord Jesus. You have set us free. Oh, in response to this love, this, this amazing gift of rescue, we offer you ourselves. We say yes to you. We allow you to, to remove the shackles from our, from our wrists, from our souls. We, we, we find ourselves enveloped in your embrace as you welcome us home. Help us. We, we confess to you, God, that we need your grace. I mean, we, we admit we have not always loved you with all our heart, soul, mind, strength. We've not always loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have been doing some of this judging and treating with contempt and all the stuff that you know, the rest of the church does. And <clears throat> we ask for your forgiveness and your grace today. Thank you, God, for being compassionate and gracious slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Thank you that when we confess our sins, you are faithful and just. You forgive us our sins. You cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So please today, God, by your Spirit's work within us, would you change us from the inside out so that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, as your sons and daughters, a people giving grace like you have given it to us. We are so grateful, God. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. While the musicians are coming forward, um, uh, I've asked uh, Romeo to help us serve communion today. And so uh, while we sing, uh, you're invited to uh, come forward, take bread from the basket, dip it in the juice, and eat it, and then return to your seats. It's open to all of us who are saying yes to Jesus today. Whoever you are, wherever you come from, and if you need God's grace today, it is available at his table. So let's give him thanks, and let's celebrate.
Thank you, God. Thank you for the love that you have shown to us. Thank you for the ways that you are shaping and changing us from the inside out to be a people that look like Jesus here in the world. Please, God, just like we've uh, seen in past weeks, we don't want to be uh, copying the customs and behaviors of this world. We want to be transformed from the inside out. We want to be conformed to the image of Christ. We want to be changed by you to be, again, a people of grace, uh, just like the grace that you have given to us. So please, God, uh, once again, I pray, fill us with the spirit of Christ that we might live in this world as the body of Christ, as your hands and feet, carrying your love and your grace to everyone you send us to this week. We are so grateful. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.